Amen. Nehemiah 8 and 5 says, when Ezra opened the book, all the people stood up. There's a word in Mark 12, 18, and that is a follow-up word in 1 Corinthians 15. It reads, then come unto him the Sadducees, which say there is no resurrection. Yeah, they did. And they ask him. Then over to 1 Corinthians. Now if Christ be preached that he rose from the dead, how say some among you that there is no resurrection of the dead? Yes, sir. But if there be no resurrection of the dead, then Christ is not risen. And if Christ be not risen, then our preaching is vain. And your faith is also vain. And you are found false witnesses of God because of him who we testified that God raised him up. Whom he raised not up, if so be that the dead rise not. For if the dead rise not, then is Christ not raised. And if Christ be not raised, your faith is vain, and you are yet in your sins. Then they also which are fallen asleep in Christ are perished. That's right. If in this life only we have hope in Christ, we are of all men most miserable. But now is Christ risen from the dead. And become the first fruits of them that slept. For since by man came death, by man came also the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all die, even so in Christ shall all be made alive. I want you to turn to your neighbor and say, but now <laughs> is Christ risen from the dead. And become the first fruits of them that slept. You be seated. Thank you, Lord Jesus. My brothers and my sisters, way back in 1926, some of y'all are with me, two years before I was born, there was a man by the name of Harry Houdini. Harry died in 1926. But Harry's claim to fame was that he was a magician that specialized in spectacular escapes. As a matter of fact, he was, it was said that he had laughed at locks and sneered at fetters. They said of Harry that he had the flexibility of an eel and he had nine lives as a cat. They did all kinds of things to try to incarcerate him. They would seal him in coffins, and he would escape. They riveted him in a boiler over and over again, and he escaped. They sewed him up in a canvas bag, and he escaped. 
They locked him in a milk can and he got out of it. They sealed him in a beer barrel and he got out of it. They put him in a maximum security prison and old Harry somehow got out. But on October 26, old man death laid his hand on Houdini and put him in the grave and he has yet to escape. As a matter of fact, he told his wife that if there is any way out, I'm going to find it. And we'll do it on our anniversary of my death. For 10 years, she kept a light burning over his portrait. At the end of 10 years, she turned out the light. Death had Harry, and he couldn't get up. My brothers and my sisters, one day, Jesus, hallelujah, death laid his hand on Jesus. It put him in a tomb. And there was a stone in the mouth of the tomb. And the seal of the Roman government was placed upon that tomb. But on the third day, somebody says, early. Oh, one, sun, one, one, one Sunday, I preached on the sermon just early. That says a whole lot. Early Sunday morning, Jesus began to stir himself. Got up out of that grave. Rose from the sleep of death. And Jesus passed through the walls of that rock-hewn tomb. And I came to tell you this morning, he's alive. He's alive. He's not in some tomb. He is before us on the throne. But I stopped by this morning to ask a question. Suppose that had not happened. Just suppose that death still held Jesus like it does Harry. What if Jesus did not get up? What if Easter did not exist? Well, along came Paul the apostle. And I want to talk this morning about Paul's defense of the gospel. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 15, 1 beginning, he said, Now, if Christ be not risen from the dead, how is it that some of you are going around talking about there is no resurrection? What if Easter did not exist? That's a loaded question, I have to admit. Much like, what if you were never born? That question is a heavy, strong, and loaded the question, what if Easter did not exist? We must consider that very carefully. Because the truth is, an entire faith hinges upon this solid event. Churches today exist because they believe in Easter. They believe in the resurrection. Countless millions of people faced, placed their faith in Christ because they believe his resurrection to be true. Dr. Billy Graham once told Time Magazine, if I were an enemy of Christianity, I would aim right at the resurrection because that is the heart of Christianity. 
That is the foundation of our faith. Dr. Graham knew what he was talking about because more and more theologians, those who admit being liberal and even some who claim to be conservative, are taking dead aim at the truth of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Robert Funk, the founder of Toll Magazine, Time Magazine as well, he said the tales of entombment and resurrection were latter-day wishful thinking. He said instead Jesus' corpse went the way of all abandoned criminal bodies. It was probably barely covered with dirt vulnerable to the wild dogs that roamed the wasteland of the execution ground. Our own Thomas Jefferson totally emasculated all of the miracles from the four gospels. His Bible called the Jefferson Bible in with the word now in the place where he was crucified there was a garden and in the garden a new sepulcher wherein was never man yet laid. There they laid Jesus and rolled a great stone to the door of the sepulcher and departed. He had no problem with the crucifixion or the burial but he stopped short of the resurrection. N.T. Wright identified in the media as a conservative said this I think of the resurrection of Jesus really happened, but I have no idea if it involves anything happening to the corpse. And therefore, I have no idea whether it involves an empty tomb. So I would have no problem whatsoever with archaeologists finding the corpse of Jesus for me. That would be not to be discrediting of the Christian faith or the Christian tradition. My brothers and sisters, what I hear from these so-called biblical scholars I feel like a well-known politician who visited a city one time and was speaking to a local civic group. He got there late and he arrived just in time to make his way to the platform, shake his hands with the committee and began to speak. And he gave it everything he had, ranting and raving at length. Finally pausing momentarily for breath, he was collared by the horrified chairman who whispered frantically, that the sponsoring civic group he was speaking to was on the other side of that issue. The politician was slick, clearing his throat impressively and not missing a beat. He said, my friend, I have just told you exactly what the opposition is saying. Now I'm going to tell you the truth. My brothers and my sisters, I want you to imagine this headline on the front page of every major newspaper around the world. Body of Jesus discovered in Israel, Christianity in crisis. What would you mean? Just what would be the ramification and the implication if the body of Jesus were found? Well, it would mean something for the church. It would mean something for Christ. And it would mean something for every child of God. Think about it. A world without Easter. A world without the resurrection. When I see Christians with their souls filled with sorrow, despondent and dejected, I wonder if you know anything about Easter. I wonder if you know anything about the resurrection. Can I get some help in here this morning? Lift up your head, O ye gates, and be ye lifted up, ye everlasting arms, and the king of glory shall come in. My brothers and my sisters, God is not dead. Jesus is not in the tomb of some lonely graveyard. No, no, he's alive and well. He's risen, I tell you. Yes, sir. 
Somebody need to help me this morning. Help me say he's risen. No, no, don't be ashamed of it. Help me say he's risen. When I see Christians confused and frustrated and discombobulated with the woes of the world and experience of no joy in Jesus, I want to hurry up and tell them Jesus ain't dead. He's alive and he's well. This joy, I have. The world didn't give it. Thank God the world cannot take it away. Modern day liberal theologians are espousing an old news. Way back in the days that Jesus walked these mundane shores, there was a group of religious leaders called the Sadducees who also said they did not believe in the bodily resurrection of Jesus Christ. It's in the book, y'all. Read it. It's in the book. Ain't nothing new. If it's new, it ain't true. Read it in the book. The Bible said, Then come unto him the Sadducees, which say there is no resurrection. And they ask him. They not only denied the resurrection, but also angels and spirits. They believed in a historical Moses, but not all of his doctrine. They did not believe in angels, but I grew up knowing that angels all day, all night, watching over me, my Lord. But along come the Apostle Paul in defense of the resurrection. And he says to all of them and to all of us that you don't know what you're talking about. Even Jesus himself tells us that I am. I wish I had some help in here this morning. I am the resurrection and the life. Help me, Holy Ghost. He that believeth in me, though he may die, yet shall he live. And whoso lives and believes in me shall never die, if you believe thou this. Paul picks up the theme of Jesus Christ and says, If Christ, come on now, help me, Holy Ghost. If Christ be not risen from the dead, everything is chaos and all mixed up. If Christ be not risen, a whole lot of stuff comes into question. Lest I keep you too long today, let me very briefly say three or four things about it. Number one, if Christ be not risen, our preaching is in vain. Hilton, Hilton, Rhonda, Thorpe, if Christ be not risen, all our preaching is powerless. It's all in the text. Read it when you get home. The 14th verse said, if Christ has not been raised, our preaching is without effect and powerless. Our message is that God so loved us so much that he sent Jesus to die on the cross for us. He took your place and what you deserved and paid the price for your sin. He suffered and died. He was buried in a borrowed tomb for three days. But early Sunday morning, he arose again on the third day by the power of the Holy Almighty God. I'm preaching this morning, y'all. He ascended to heaven and offers victory over sin through the cross and victory over death through the resurrection. But if Christ did not rise, then Easter does not exist. If Easter does not exist, our message is powerless. You see, the purpose of preaching is to proclaim the good news of Jesus Christ. But without the resurrection, there really is not much good news. Imagine if I knocked on your door one Saturday afternoon and said, congratulations, you've been selected as the winner of the sweepstakes. 
You've just won $10 million. Now that would be sure enough good news. That would be exciting, wouldn't it? And after you paid the church debt off, Help me, Holy Ghost. And after you paid the church debt off, you still have some left for yourself. You'd be excited for sure. The only problem is it's not true. There's no sweepstakes. There's no winner. There's no money. It's all a lie. Now, that's pretty awful, isn't it? It's not just a powerless message. It's a cruel message. But hallelujah. Praise God. Our message is not powerless because Easter does exist. The resurrection is real. Christ is risen. Oh, I wish I had some help in here this morning. Christ is risen from the dead. Romans 1.16 said, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's the power of God under salvation. Our message is not powerless this morning. Listen to me, y'all. I've seen the preaching of the cross change lives. I've seen the preaching of the cross bring men and women to the point of repentance. I've seen drug addicts released by the power of the gospel. I've seen alcoholics give up their booze. Help me, Holy Ghost. I've seen marriages restored. I've seen prisoners set free from their sin. I've seen hateful folk fall in love with Jesus. I've seen prostitutes become missionaries. Y'all ain't helping me this morning. I've seen hard-hearted men come crying, what shall I do to be saved? Oh, through human wisdom. But God has used the foolishness of preaching to save those who believe. The foolishness of preaching, not foolish preaching, y'all. I said the foolishness of preaching. Can I get a witness here this morning? How can they preach except they be sent? How beautiful are the feet of those who bring the gospel of Jesus Christ to us. The foolishness of preaching, not foolish preaching, let me tell you, if I did not believe that God raised Jesus up from the dead, I would quit preaching. Fold up my Bible. If I did not believe that he got up, I would close up my hymn book. I'd resign my job. Word of God and hope for risen Christ. If Jesus Christ had not been raised from the dead, I'm up here wasting my time preaching. And you're wasting your time listening to me. As a matter of fact, it'd be hard to figure out who the bigger fool is. Me standing up here, preaching as what I'm saying is true, or you sitting out there saying amen, if, if you did not believe it. The truth of the matter is that Jesus, if Jesus is still dead, bonnets and bunnies make more sense than the cradle and the cross. Without a risen savior, no sermon, regardless of how beautiful, I don't care how auditorical it is, how logical, or how stimulating it might be. It's really worthy of hearing. That is why he called that type of preaching empty. Once a little 60-year-old boy complained to his mother that he had a stomachache. And his mother said, that's because your stomach is empty. 
you'd feel a whole lot better if there was something in it. Well, that afternoon, the pastor stopped by for a visit. And the little boy said, Preacher, how are you feeling today? He said, Well, my head hurts. The little boy said, Well, that's because it's empty. He said, You'll feel a whole lot better if there was something in it. Hallelujah. Preaching is not empty, my brother. Preaching is not empty without a risen Savior to be empty. But if Jesus is dead, quite frankly, I can, I've got nothing worth saying to you this morning. And you've got nothing coming to here. Those of you who know me know that I have no problem saying what I mean and meaning what I say. There cannot be any double talk about whether or not Jesus Christ has been raised from the dead. I preach because I know that the risen Savior has laid his hand on me. I preach the truth that Jesus is risen. I know that he got up out of the grave early Sunday morning. But I got to get out of here. Secondly, if Christ be not raised from the dead, our faith is in vain. Paul continued by saying our faith would be useless. It's the same word used twice. In other words, what good is faith if Christ hadn't been risen from the dead? If it really never, never happened, then your faith is useless. If Christ is not risen, then it's all a myth and there is no need to follow him with all your life. You can live any way you want to, act any way you want to, do anything you want to do, say anything you want to, and it doesn't matter at all. You see, if Easter doesn't exist, our faith wouldn't matter at all. I believe that in every one of us, there's a desire to find something or someone we can trust. Someone who, when all seem to be falling apart in our lives, will be there for us. That can help us no matter how bad things get in our lives. When we buy a product, we want to make sure that we can count on it and trust it to work the way it's supposed to work. When you go and buy a car, you're looking for reliability, a car that you know will carry you and your family safely for years to come. The car company tries to earn your trust by giving you a warranty. The warranty tells you how long and what, to what extent you can trust them and their products. Some are three years, 36,000 miles. Others are five years, 50,000 miles. Some are 10 years, 100,000 miles. But the problem with these warranties is that eventually they run out. You can trust them, but only for a period of time. Our relationship with others is the same way. When looking for a husband or a wife, we look for someone who is trustworthy. Someone we can trust. Someone we know who's going to be faithful to us over the course of lifetime. But even in the best relationship, people fail us and let us down. I believe that it is the heart of every person. And that is the deepest longing to be able to completely trust somebody. Someone that won't lie to you. Someone who won't let you down. If Jesus didn't raise from the rise from the dead, then we cannot trust him with our lives. And we certainly cannot trust him with our eternity. But fortunately for us, Jesus did rise from the dead. Easter does exist. He's real, y'all. I like to sing that song every night and doing Jesus is real.
Ain't no fake with him. It's true, y'all. It's not a lie. You can trust him with all of your life and live for him all the days of your life. Paul says in Galatians 2.20, the life that I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Because Christ is risen, you can trust him. You can trust him with your life. You can trust him with your faithful friendships. You can trust him with your finances. You can trust him with your future. Can I get some help here this morning? I trust in God to him not as you said, upon the land, upon the sea. You can trust Jesus Christ. Our salvation would be pointless. The Bible tells us in verse 17, if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile and you're still in your sin. If Christ did not exist, our salvation would be pointless. In fact, if Easter did not exist, there would be no such thing as salvation. You see, salvation promises offer, promises the forgiveness of our sin. But the Bible said that if Christ is not risen, we're still in our sin. It's not forgiven, and we owe the debt ourselves. Salvation promises a future, a resurrection one day, and a home forever in heaven. But if Christ has not been raised from the dead, we can't expect to be raised from the dead either. You see, a major part of our salvation is the forgiveness of our sin and the promise of a resurrection. But if Jesus didn't rise again, then we can't experience the salvation at all. Think about this. If Jesus did not rise from the dead, we are still guilty of our sin before God. If we are still guilty of our sin, if we still owe a debt for sin, then we cannot have fellowship with God. Sin separates us from a holy God. If we are still in our sin, then it means that God is holding our sins against us. To have fellowship with God, our sin must be forgiven. So I stop by here to tell you, no resurrection, no forgiveness. Now someone might say, I thought Jesus paid for our sin on the cross. And you're right. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians, for I delivered to you as of the first importance what I also received. That Christ died for our sins according to the scripture. But the resurrection is just as important to our salvation. Romans 4.25 says he was handed over on account of our transgression. And he was raised on account of our justification. The reason that God raised his son from the dead was twofold. It was to vindicate that Jesus was truly innocent of sin. And to validate our forgiveness as a demonstration that God had received Christ's sacrifice from sin. Aren't you glad that Easter does exist? Come on now. Don't fool me. I said, aren't you thankful that Easter does exist? Aren't you glad that Christ is risen? And as a result of that, salvation is not pointless. In fact, it is absolutely essential and necessary. It is the point of life. Our life would be worthless. Our life would be hopeless if there were no resurrection. As much as I marvel at the virgin birth of Jesus Christ, as much as I wonder at the sinlessness of Jesus, as much as I glory in the cross of Jesus, it is the resurrection of Jesus that makes Christianity unique among all the world's religion. Confucius died and he was buried. 
Uh, Lusu, the father of Taoism, wandered off into the wilderness and died with his water buffalo. The Buddha rotted away with food poisoning. Muhammad died in 632, and his body was cut up and spread all over the east. Nation of Islam leader, the honorable so-called Elijah Muhammad, is buried in Glenwood Cemetery in suburban Chicago, Illinois. But Jesus, help me, Holy Ghost. Jesus, come on, somebody. Help me, Holy Ghost. Jesus is alive. I need to hear from somebody. I said, Jesus is risen from the dead. If Jesus be not raised from the dead, it means death still has its sting. It means the grave still has its victory. Life is just a form of Russian roulette and all we can do is wonder which day will fire the fatal bullet. If Jesus be not raised from the dead, there's no hope for you and for me. There's no heaven later on. Your loved ones are lost. When you buried your mother, or that father didn't matter whether they were godly or not. It did not matter if they had faith in Jesus or not. It did not matter if they did not know Christ or not. You may as well have been buried a dead dog in a dry hole. If Jesus had not been raised from the dead, there's not enough gold in Fort Knox or enough tea in China to make me do another funeral. I wouldn't do another funeral. But I thank God this morning. I can keep on doing it. Because I know that there's something better after a while. Let me get out of here now. A Buddhist in Africa was converted to Christianity. They asked the Buddhist, why did you change your faith? And here's what he said. He said, it's like this. If you're walking along and came to a fork of the road, and two men were there, one was dead and the other was alive, which, mean, which, man, direction, which man direction would you follow? That really is the question, my brother and my sister. You have the right and you have the freedom to choose a dead Muhammad, a dead Leoluso, a dead Buddha, a dead Confucius. But I said loudly and I said proudly, come here, James Brown. Let's, let me tell you, I said loudly and I said proudly, I choose to follow the only one raised from the dead and live forever in the name of Jesus. I've told you before, and I'll tell you again, about a woman that was diagnosed with terminal cancer. And she'd been given three months to live. And she was getting her things in order. She contacted her pastor and asked him to come to her house to discuss some of her final wishes. She told him which song she wanted him to sing at her funeral service. She told him what scriptures she wanted him to read. And she told him what outfit she wanted to be buried in. She requested to be buried with her favorite Bible. Can I get a witness? I want my finger pointed to that word in Timothy. It said, I have fought a good fight. Oh, hallelujah. I finished my course. I ain't finished, but I finished my son. And there is waiting for me a crown of righteousness. As the pastor prepared to leave, the woman suddenly remembered something else. That one more thing, she said, Pastor. That, that, that she said excitedly. He said, what's that? And she said, this is important. The woman said, I want to be buried with a fork in my right hand. 
the pastor stood looking at the woman not knowing quite what to say. The woman explained, well, in all of my years of going to church, attending church, especially Great Abyssinia Baptist Church, in all of my years attending church socials and potluck dinners, when the dishes of the main course were being cleared, someone would inevitably lean over and say, keep your fault. And that was my favorite part of the meal because I knew something better was coming down the road. I knew something better was coming down the road. Something like velvety chocolate cake. Something like deep sea apple pie. Something like cherry crew. So when people see me in that casket with a fork in my hand and they ask, what's with the fork? I want to be able to tell them, keep your fork. The best is yet to come. Oh, hallelujah. I know about a better place. Oh, death, where is thy sting? Oh, grave, where is thy victory? The sting of death is sin. The strength of sin is the law. But thanks, thanks, thanks be to God that gives us the victory. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Victory in Jesus. My Savior forever. He sought me and bought me with his precious blood. Hallelujah. He loved me. Oh, sorry. Yeah.